Hey listeners, you just started playing this episode and probably still have your phone in your hand. So before you put it in your pocket, go to Betacell in your podcast app and leave us a review. It really helps other people hear about the show. That was a pun. Pretty funny, right? See? Another reason to leave us a good review. Thanks. It's been a long time, but we are back with Out of Range, the talk show about real things, diabetes. And one of those real things that's affecting us more and more is advocacy and how that impacts our lives and what people with type one in the community are doing for advocacy. And I think it's an important thing to talk about that people aren't really doing anywhere else. And I kind of see this as that scene in the matrix where Morpheus sits uh, Neo down in that chair and he has the two pills and he says you take the blue pill you take the blue pill the story ends you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe you take the red pill you stay in wonderland and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes and at least from my experience once you take that red pill you really see just the amount of stuff going on under the surface not just people being advocates, but the people trying to stop the advocates and what they're fighting against. And so it made sense to bring on this little adventure, Hannah Crabtree, also known as Lolly Daggle on Twitter. Hannah does a lot of advocacy work through her blog, insulin.substack.com. There'll be a link in the show notes, which you're probably most known for Hannah, and correct me if I'm wrong, is this graphic that went super viral about the inflation rate of various products since the 90s. And then you dropped insulin on that, that kind of shoots up to the moon um, to 1200%. Yeah. And there's a actually a really good story behind that price graph and how it came to be One piece of it was that I created it in Microsoft Paint while on vacation because the idea just came to me and I just wanted it to go live. And, you know, other than that first time where we did the price graph and it went viral, but going viral back then was a lot fewer retweets and likes for something insulin related. After that, I've never gone viral with it again. It's always been other people in the insulin movement reposting it and resharing it. So... We get it to go viral still, you know, a couple times a year. Well, I think it's just so shocking to people when they see it visually like that. I mean, you know, the number most of us have heard, insulin's gone up 1,200%. And, oh, it seems really big, but I don't think the human mind can really comprehend how big that is when you compare it to something like cars going up 2%. Um And uh, yeah, I think it's just very shocking. And you've done lots of exciting things, maybe if they haven't gone viral since then. Um, Most recently tracking uh, COVID, um, access to COVID vaccine in different states, uh, which is a super useful thing for people with type one. Um, And I think you're a very good example of, you know, grassroots advocacy, people with type one, not their full-time job, just kind of doing things because they care 
and maybe have a little bit of time to do it. And I think it's really inspiring for people like me even to see that just one person with Microsoft Paint can make a huge difference in advocacy in the world. And I think if everyone listened to this, went on Microsoft Paint, I don't even know if Microsoft Paint still exists, and could you know, do one little thing And if one person goes viral, just think of how powerful that would be. Absolutely. And also what happens when we all start working together and combining our skill sets and resources? Like what impact can we have on the movement there? Yeah, yeah. So if you want to follow this stuff, um, get on Twitter um, or just keep listening to this podcast, I guess, as we keep going forward. So um, Hannah, it has been a pretty quiet week in the diabetes world. It's never uh, a quiet week. No, we've we've had some big things going on. Uh, what we're going to do with this show is break down uh, with little mini episodes on each kind of topic, break down what's going on, uh, what people are doing, maybe what the issue really is and what you can do to help. Um, so we're going to start with the most exciting thing ever, uh, Nick Jonas, of course. Um, if you somehow escaped this story, um, I, I want to know how, uh, so that I can escape these stories in the future. So the Super Bowl was this past Sunday, most watched TV event in the U S every year and Dexcom, um, for the first time ever, hopefully the last time ever bought a Super Bowl ad for $5.5 million, 60 second spot where Nick Jonas comes on, shows his Dexcom G6, and mocks all of us for still using finger sticks. Did I, did I sum that up well, you think, Hannah? I think that's the good high-level overview of what exactly went down. Yeah, so there's a really good article. I'll also link in the show notes from friend of the show, Dave Holmes, uh, who wrote a great nuanced piece, I think, for Esquire magazine, looking at the kind of complexity of this, which we're going to break down for you right now. We have the technology to do this. Drones deliver packages, and people with diabetes are still pricking their fingers? What? We've got self-driving cars, robots that vacuum, these things. We visited Mars, and finger sticks? Really? Well, that's about to change. Meet the Dexcom G6. It shows your glucose right in your phone and where it's heading without finger sticks. Finally, technology that makes it easier for us to manage our diabetes. Looks like the future, but it's available now. Yeah. So when did you first, you didn't watch this right away, right? Dexcom leaked it like a a week before and you refused. Yeah, I was very confused. I thought they were leaking maybe a commercial teaser about it or... You know, there was just an article about how they were intending to do this. So I was really late to the Nick Jonas discourse. But once I allowed myself to partake in it, I got in really, really deep. I don't think I actually thought it was a Super Bowl ad. I thought it was one of those ads companies just put out around the Super Bowl to, like, get you to watch. I don't know, kind of like building on that, like, Super Bowl commercial hype. Um and then I think when I realized it was a Super Bowl ad and they spent all this money, 
I think my, my first response was actually, I thought it was kind of funny. Like, like why would they do that? Like, why would you spend so much money to like sell this thing? And then it was only after that initial reaction and seeing people get so angry online about it that I kind of tried to unpack what was going on. Yeah. And I think the idea of Dexcom doing a commercial or doing a Super Bowl commercial is one thing. But when we actually sat down and watched the commercial, that's where I think a lot of these feelings and you know, displeasure that this ad was existing and that they spent all of this money for it. That's where it really started to bubble out. Would have loved to see Dexcom do an ad that was actually a good informative ad about the Dexcom product, something that could inform people who are maybe not familiar with the system as to the benefits with going on it. All other access considerations aside, but it didn't even achieve that bare minimum standard there. Yeah. And for anyone lucky enough to watch this commercial, um, you know, Nick says diabetes like twice. Most of the commercial is showing cool modern technology like Roombas and Mars rovers. And there was like some like eyelashes with LED lights. I think the eyelash LEDs might be the only actual product that <laughs> even exists of all, yeah. all of that anyway. And 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 then the his tone and, you know, most, you know, I can't really blame him for the tone because I'm sure he didn't write this ad, uh, was kind of like, we're, you're really using finger sticks? Like, we have all this cool stuff and diabetics are still stuck using finger sticks? Like, come on, people. Open up your wallet, buy a G6, be in the future, get the stuff on your phone, see the arrows, and, you know, stop, I don't know, using this barbaric technology from, what, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, however long. Um, and and I, maybe let's start by taking, like, Dexcom's perspective. They're a growing company. They made what, a billion dollars in profits alone last year. They have this product. They want, they need more people to buy it, to make more money. So how do you get a lot of people to see your product? But they want something splashy and big um, that people are going to talk about the next day. That's probably where the thought kind of stopped. I mean, they had Dexcom, they, they compare it to putting something on the Mars, right? It's like super advanced, high-tech stuff. And I don't think that's wrong. Like it is super high-tech. It's cool. It's changed my life, uh, changed a lot of people's lives. Um, that's a good thing. Um, people with type 1, seeing another person with type 1 on a Super Bowl ad, isn't inherently bad. Like I, th I think all these little components kind of check the boxes of the marketing team. And how many people with diabetes were actually on their marketing team, you know, maybe outside of this Dexcom bubble? 
you know, people with diabetes working at Dexcom is like Dexcom, their only, you know, sort of diabetes space that they're in frequently, right? Because to me, I cannot even figure out who their basic target audience was for this ad. And we know that they need to grow their numbers. Definitely understandable there. But like how much more of the type one market share is there for them to capture? I think we may have something like 30% of people with type one actually on CGMs right now. And I don't know if that's an up-to-date statistic or whatnot, but the type one market isn't, there's not even that much more of the type one market that they could be capturing. And then from there, we have people with type two diabetes is a huge opportunity for them, as are all of this sort of stuff we're seeing with normal people trying to use CGMs. But to me, it didn't feel like the, the ad was particularly targeting any single one of those segments. To me, it really felt that, like you said, you know, mostly privileged people of type one want to see other people of type one on their television screens and needing that validation from someone who's a celebrity like Nick Jonas. Yeah, I think the ad is like you're saying, it's more about technology than it is about diabetes. You know, the one argument is this is great advocacy for type one. Advertising is not advocacy. It's just not. It maybe awareness, but what were we even raising awareness about? Oh, diabetics don't have to do finger sticks. That was the main message of that ad. There was really no other diabetes related point that came out of that. So I don't even know how that's awareness at all, other than Nick Jonas has type one diabetes and is on a Super Bowl ad. Yeah. So I kind of took Dexcom's point of view. So I'm going to give you the non-Dexcom point of view. Tell me what you thought. Sure. So I think we can kind of analyze this from maybe a few different pockets of reactions that we saw as this was all going down on Sunday. I think on one hand, you have parents who have kids who have type 1 diabetes, wear Dexcom, and just that joy of having their kid see someone on the television screen who also has the same disease as them, wearing the same technology, you have that cool factor. I think that's incredible for a lot of parents and a lot of kids who, you know, are kind of struggling with maybe being a little bit different and just having a role model like Nick Jonas to look up to. And I don't think Nick Jonas is a great diabetes role model necessarily, but he is one and he's there. And I think that makes this disease really kind of accessible for, you know, people, kids who have diabetes, just being able to see someone like them on the television screen. That's really cool. You also have people who would love to be on Dexcom, but it's just priced out of reach for them. And you not only have that with adults who have type 1, who feel that they're locked out, would love the system, but you also have to think about the flip side of kids with type 1. Like, what? why aren't we thinking about the kids who don't have access to this technology but would love to, but they know that their family can't afford it? And that sort of perspective always hits hard for me because I remember being that kid 
growing up. And celebrity figures like Nick Jonas were actually really demoralizing for me because for me, it was, oh, I have to live up to this expectation of this celebrity who's doing amazing things with diabetes and I'm just a normal kid who has a crappy A1C. And as a kid, you can't really think through it with that critical lens that, oh, maybe Nick Jonas has more resources than I do, which makes it easier for him to manage his diabetes. So I think that perspective is really important. And then you have the rest of us who, you know, we're going to flip on both sides, people who thought the ad was great and that it was advocacy for people with diabetes. But then you have the rest of us who are really going to take a critical look at what Dexcom is doing. And with the resources that Dexcom had, was this a good use of those resources? And we're not just going to criticize Dexcom for the sake of criticizing Dexcom, but I think that critical lens is really important as people in the community are having issues with their Dexcom devices. And it's a technology that's incredibly priced out of reach for people. Yeah, I guess that last point, like we've all seen or have had, luckily I haven't yet, the Dexcom that gets stuck on your arm with the needle in it and then you pull out the wooden spoon and smack it. And I'm pretty sure that's like the official like remedy to a stuck Dexcom is find a wooden spoon, hit it. But at no point have I seen a statement from Dexcom say, by the way, a lot of these guys are getting stuck with a huge ass needle in your arm. Uh, watch out because they don't want their stock price to drop when people see that the stuff's failing. And I think that from a customer relations kind of thing, you know, is at odds like that to me is the first point that shows the odds of the sort of the business side and the patient side. Like, do you care about the patient or do you care about the money? And that's what really uh, leads. And I think it was the, like the second group you were talking about, the thing that I got most, I don't know, upset about the people who can't afford a Dexcom and you know, the way that this was presented as just a thing you should just have um, with, you know, it, it's kind of like it's a luxury product sold as a basic necessity. And I saw lots of people online get angry at people who were upset they couldn't afford this and wished that Dexcom would really put patients first. And if they say, we have this life-saving technology um, that will lower A1C, stop you from going low in the night, dying in your sleep, why wouldn't they want to save more lives by lowering the price? And you know they have a 68, 67% profit margin. So on a $125 sensor, so they're making $75 off of every sensor. So that what would cost 50 bucks um, costs 125. So yeah, I mean, even, even that's probably expensive for a lot of people, but it being as expensive as it is doesn't help. And we're not saying even that Dexcom, it, Dexcom is a, a public business, right? They're a public company. Of course, they're profit motivated. 
as much as I want them to focus on that patient piece and really make this product like accessible for more people, which, as you said, they have the profit margins to do, even just from like a critical business lens, I don't even think that the issue is necessarily that Dexcom did a Super Bowl ad, but just the ad itself too, right? If Dexcom did a Super Bowl ad that even if it had Nick Jonas where he was talking about some of the other pros of having a Dexcom system, stuff that's actually informative, how critical having 24-7 data can be, how even with that 24-7 data, you know, that opens up more opportunities for yourself than you know, being afraid to actually see your blood sugars on the screen, right? That was a big reason why I didn't do a Dexcom for a long time was because I was scared to see my blood sugars all the time and to have that feedback. But I got so much out of that system. Or let's talk about the people who are hypo unaware. There are so many actual legitimate benefits to this system that no finger sticks is really not it. It's not the message. It's not the right message. And they did it in a way where they made finger sticks uncool. It wasn't that finger sticks are hard or that they provide limited data so they have limited use. They're just uncool. Finger sticks are uncool. Why aren't you on an XCOM? It was just completely off the mark from even like a business messaging standpoint. That if they even had a good informative ad, I don't think we would be having this sort of conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the almost stigmatized, like not even that it was not cool, but almost stigmatizing people for using finger sticks when um, I've never met one person who said, I like absolutely do not want a CGM. Like everyone knows the benefits, right? Uh, alarms at night, like we said, um, trends during the day, not having to do finger sticks, right? Like those are all pluses. But the number one reason polls have shown that people do not use a CGM is because they can't afford it. So to stigmatize something where you're really the gatekeeper, but I, th I think more good maybe came out of it than the ad did. Like the ad was very bad. It pissed people off, but it didn't set us back too much. But the amount of criticism online from people with type 1 and the amount of press from things like Esquire covering this, I think really brought to light type 1 in a way that had this end never happened, we never would have had that energy. Definitely. And just the fact that as a diabetes online community, we're not just a monolith anymore of people just being like, yay, Nick Jonas is on TV. He has diabetes. We actually are having these very like nuanced conversations and dialogues about what all of these actors in this diabetes ecosystem are doing and how it actually impacts our day to day lives. And I don't think we would have seen necessarily that kind of dialogue a few years ago. At the end of the day, I think most people watching the Super Bowl probably miss this ad in between chicken wings or, you know, guac. 
you know, it didn't make it on any of the top 10 Super Bowl commercial lists, right? Even Reddit's five-second ad that no one saw got talked about more. So I think it was it was really like a waste of five and a half million dollars. I was just about to say, do we think it even had any sort of impact or the intended impact that they wanted it to have? It just wasn't talked about. It's something it's something pretty niche. I mean, everyone knows someone with diabetes, and maybe if that their messaging was a little bit more on point and more broad that, you know, this could be available to more people, then maybe it would have that better engagement too. But from that ad, you got the sense that this is a type one diabetes thing. I don't need to pay attention to it. Yeah. The only people really praising it were people who knew what a Dexcom was and knew who Nick Jonas was and were excited about it. And then on the other hand, you had everybody talking crap about it and that kind of stuff bleeding over into the actual media coverage of the ad. So Dexcom, my advice would be get a different marketing team for your next Super Bowl commercial and lower the price a bit. Yes. Yes to both of those things. And a marketing team with people who have diabetes out in the real world. You know, let us share with you our perspectives and advertising can only get better when Dexcom is hearing, you know, a wide diverse range of diabetic voices. We go together Better than birds of a feather You and me We change the weather that's it for this week's episode. Out of Range is a production of Beta Cell and is produced and edited by me, Craig Steubing. If you have advocacy topics that you want us to hash out for you, let us know. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Beta Cell Podcast, and you can email me at craig at betacellpodcast.com. Beta Cell is a listener-supported show, which means our episodes are made for you, not some corporation. If you have a vacation fund bursting at the seams and want to help the podcast, you can support us on Patreon for literally just $5 a month. You'll get new podcast episodes before everyone else, bonus clips, behind-the-scenes content, and most importantly, monthly video hangouts with all the Beta Cell supporters. Plus, it means the only ad you'll hear on the show is this one. There's a link in the show notes for how to support us today. We really appreciate it. Dancing on top of cars and stumbling